Hello and welcome to Hanoi in Conversation, the podcast that explores the cultural and societal aspects of our Vietnam trip. You're joined by journalist Grace O'Day and Shelby Gilbert, my lovely co-host. And today we want to play you an interview we did with the head of the international unit at The Voice of Vietnam, Hua. She's a journalist herself and we spoke to her about her experience as a woman living in Vietnam and in particular the north of Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely, Grace. So the first question we asked Hua was about the societal pressures women face in the north of Vietnam compared to the south. And she touched on how there is a lot of pressure in their communities to have children, especially sons. And also, just a content warning, this episode will discuss themes surrounding abortion. I think because we have a a time of war uh, here, when when in the American region in Saigon, um, life is okay. Um, And uh, people bring, American people bring their lifestyle there. So it has good sign because they are pragmatic, because they are realistic. Um, and here we live near the border with China and we was affected. So um, almost people wanted to have son, to have son because son will um, take care of their parents because parents normally would live with son. But in the South, parents may live with the son or daughter. It's no problem. But here, normally, parents live with son. If I have no son, when my daughter get married, they will go to their uh, husband's uh, family. So we will have no one to take care. <laughs> I can take care of myself. <laughs> I think so. But um, in the past, maybe the life is more difficult. I once, I once went to the hospital um, to make a report because I imitated a pregnant and I want to um, have abortion because I do not, do not want that child because she is the third girl I have. And then I saw, I saw a, a, a young lady who is a businessman who can earn money, who didn't lay on her husband, but she need to have a third child, a son. So what she do? She have pregnant and wait until it's about like three months to know whether it's a boy or a girl. And if it is a girl, it is killed. Oh, that uh, was one of the most shocking revelations of the entire interview. Um, I definitely wasn't expecting it when we came into that discussion. Um, I mean, we just asked about the difference between the North and the South and she started talking about her own personal experience with abortion. Um, and she doesn't really get into it in too much detail in, in this part of the interview that comes later as to her reasonings. Um, but, yeah, I just think both of our jaws were on the floor at that moment. Absolutely. I think we were just shocked. We didn't expect her 
to talk about that at all. And especially to talk about, you know, even the other ladies' experience of needing to find out the gender and then uh, if it was a girl, because she'd already had two girls, it was going to be aborted because she needed a son. Um, You know, just the social expectations surrounding that. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy when she talked about how there is so much pressure on having a son that getting the gender tested is illegal because if women knew the gender of their children and knew they were girls, they would get aborted. Yeah, she she goes into detail uh, regarding that a bit later in the interview, but I think for both of us it was a definite culture shock and not where we were expecting the conversation to go. And just to further this understanding of the societal pressure they have in Vietnam, as a woman, when you have more than two children and you're working in the public sector, this can stop you from getting promotion opportunities, whereas in the private sector, this isn't really the case. And just to add a little bit of context here, Hua works in the public sector, and at this moment, it sort of clicked in our heads that this may be a factor for many women that leads to them getting an abortion. If I want to have higher, promoted to higher position, no. No for the people who have more than two children. So if you want a higher position, two or less children? Yes. Wow. So um, it is... A policy in the past that still remain for in some some case. But I always told my friends and colleagues to have more children, more than two children, because we have a good condition. We live in a city. We have enough money to raise them, and we have good good gene, right? So we should have more children. My sister also have two children. And when uh, she was pregnant the third time, she was worried, worried a lot. And then she asked me uh, that it was um, two time, uh, two two months pregnant. She asked me that uh, if I can do something to test the child because she can do it, she couldn't do it because it's forbidden here. You understand? If you do it, do it illegally. It's forbidden uh, to tell the gen, um, the, um, the gender gender of uh, a child, of unborn child. So what to do? So with a drop of blood, but I have to have some very special reason to allow to do it. She thinks that I am a journalist and I know many people, I can do everything. <laughs> and sometimes it's true, but I refuse. I say that, do you know, do you, uh, do you want to make the God angry because he gave you very nice children? That's great. What do you do? What do you want more? I don't know you. You don't do anything with the third child. And if she is a girl, I will adopt it. And you, then you will have another 
another one. But luckily she got a boy. She got a boy and she got uh, among 100, among many of um, parent-in-law. That is 100 million. So when she had a when she had a son, she got money of her in-laws. Because they promised that, they make a lot of pressure on her. Like I beg you, please do it for that family. And I and my 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 sister-in-law and my sister-in-law get very angry with that family. So. I think that to us, a woman to have more children is very, how to say, cruel. Hua elaborated a little bit more off audio to us about why she was so upset with her sister's in-laws and the pressure that they were putting on her. She talked about her sister's previous high-risk pregnancies Uh, previously had an emergency caesarean, long labours, and that really stressed Hua out. So she obviously was concerned for her sister in that health space. But what was more concerning for Hua was, as a mother of two children herself, two female children, she was upset that these grandparents, her her sister's in-laws, could only be satisfied once her sister had had a grandson. Yeah, absolutely. And also giving that money incentive to have a son so they could have a grandson, which they gave about $4,000, 4000 US dollars rather. Which is, a, what was like a 100,000 million. million dong, which is an insane amount of money for them. And they weren't getting that money for the two previous children that were that were female. And 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 also just to add, this isn't uh, isolated to Hua's family circumstance and Hua's sister. It is a practice that happens, particularly in the north, with a lot of families where they are financially and monetarily rewarded for having sons by the father's parents. Yeah, and it comes down to that patriarchal structure in their society where if you have a son that's good because when you're elderly your son will take care of you and if you don't have a son no one's going to take care of you when you're old and just to come back to this pressure on having a child on having a son and as we mentioned earlier and as Hua mentioned getting the gender of a fetus tested is illegal in Vietnam and this is to stop the gender imbalance in the Vietnamese population. As I researched more about this, I found an article by the Bangkok Post that explored why Hanoi has the highest rates of abortion in the country and how the gender ratio was progressing in the population. The article referenced studies that showed the rate of the male population is growing and Vietnam would have 4.5 million more males than females by 2050. 4.5 million. Yep. That is crazy. Not to be super heteronormative here, but who are they all going to date? It's a really good question. I don't know. 
it actually probably links back to the uh, one to two child policy they had that lasted up until 2003. So it's probably a lag of results in that because we saw that more men were born in that time because they were more quote-unquote valuable well and yeah you so you had that pressure from your families for having a son and then you had that pressure from the government you can only have two children so you you want a son you want two sons yeah and then also there's still that cultural pressure that is going on now to have sons so that is still going on despite the fact that the one to two child policy is not a law anymore yeah and the fact that getting the gender tested is still illegal but there are ways around it in Vietnam, it's showing that it's not... This story of Hua and her sister is not isolated. It is something happening across the country in Vietnam. There is a definite... Well, across the northern part of the country. Especially especially. across the northern part of the country. There's a definite imbalance of gender in the population. And just to bring it back domestically for a moment, when we're talking about women and pregnancy I just I don't think it's well obviously I don't think it's right to pressure someone to have to be pregnant and pressure someone to have a a specific gender but in our own backyard I always get really icky like a really icky feeling when you ask married couples or couples that have been together for a long time oh like, are you trying? How how long is the baby? Like, or just plainly, any babies yet? I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, Uncle Greg. No, like, <laughs> <laughs> come on, that is so disrespectful. Like, we do not know what they're going through. One in nine women in Australia have endometriosis. That is a lot of women, and that also hinders your ability to get pregnant depending on the seriousness of your endo. So I just think it's we're just past the days of asking women about their reproduction. Just stop it. (laughs) Stop it. I don't like it. I 100% agree with you, Grace, but times are different in Vietnam. I have to stay with my mother and father-in-law because my husband is the eldest son in the family. So anytime he was about to help me, my mother-in-law blamed me. Very ugly. And then, and then she became a very lazy man doing nothing at home. And it's harmful for him because his health come down quickly. Yes, and then when my mother-in-law is very aggressive. Even call my father to say bad thing about me, that I'm lazy and not res- um, not respectful to her and so on. But I am is my father's princess, you know. My father got angry and talked rudely to her immediately, but that's not good for, of course, for the both family. Um, but normally, normally, for example, I um, when she say bad thing to me and I go back to, I went back to my family 
So my mom closed the door and said that, don't do that. Come back to the husband's house. Because you don't want to be separate and then your children have no... And also people, how do people would say about that if you are divorced? Um, so I go, I go back, I go back and um, then my father-in-law is a very good man. But he loved my children very much and I found that he, he was very happy to be a granddad of them. But even though Once I heard secretly that he told other people that he feels sorry to have no nephew. No uh, grandson. No grandson. I think that because now there are many, many choices. Uh, still, there are family that uh, choose for their children uh, job. Uh, and career, and even husband and wife by introduce. But, um, I think that uh, I led my children to, to do things with their life. So I won't, I won't have to regret about it. They decide themselves. And they got good lessons, I think. All I can give them is my love, my huge love forever. It sounds like you're doing a good job as a family. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't very lucky. I don't know uh, whether I'm wrong or right, because um, uh, many people advise me to... Um, Like to offer uh, her, to help her to get a job here at UV. So I asked her and she replied no. And I feel happy about that. <laughs> I don't know why. But, uh, and then I think that without me, she can survive. She can survive. Our time in Vietnam over the two-week period, we really learnt a lot about Hua and her generosity and her strength as a woman, as a businesswoman, as a mother. And her fierceness, really. She is a strong, independent woman taking up space proudly in a patriarchal society. Yeah, absolutely. I really look up to her and she was she showed us so much kindness, but she would do things and not think twice about it. And it was just she's just so strong. She was the big wig at VOV. Yeah, absolutely. And she knew it. <laughs> and she walked around like she was the most important person in the room. But, like, so nice about yeah. it. So, And everyone loved her. Thank you for listening. That's all we've got time for today. Uh, this has been Hanoi in Conversation. And stay tuned for our next episode.
This podcast was recorded on Darrowell land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.